Welcome to another episode of Backlash Podcast. This week we're going to talk to Jim Walters, who works with the Minnesota DNR, and we're going to talk basically the state of the Minnesota muskie fishery. We you know, don't have a ton of time, so we can't get super in-depth, and there's certain topics, I guess, that we don't want to talk about because we don't want to get anybody in trouble. But Jim was gracious enough to come out and talk to us about, you know, we're going to talk uh, fish stocking, densities, lakes, predator studies, and kind of whole bunch of different topics and i would tell you this week i'm with brad and carrie hoppy with musky mayhem tackle but apparently brad's too good for us so just remember this carrie and i are the ones that always make sure that the podcast go gets done every single week so for future reference for anybody that cares it's carrie and i that always make sure we're here for you every single week <laughs> Oh, if he actually listens to the podcast, we're going to be in trouble. He's not going to listen. I'm not even worried. He does. The only way he's going to find out is if somebody tells him. That's it. Which could easily happen, too. I mean, he does text a lot. I know that. He does. He talks on the phone a lot, too. Mm -hmm. Um, He did leave me a list of things to ask about. Well, that's good. I mean, at least it left you kind of prepared. Here, I'm over here Google searching things to try to figure a few things out because... I didn't know or know anything about Jim. I I mean, you had had me texting with him to set this up, but I didn't know anything about him. So I had to kind of do a little bit of research. And, you know, I'm a Wisconsin guy over here, so I don't know a ton about Minnesota fisheries. I know something about them, but I don't know a ton. So I'm going to learn a little bit this week as well. Right. Yeah, I am too. I mean, I, I live here and I fish here, but I, we don't always get a whole lot of information that way. Yeah, it's because I live in my own little bubble. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited to be able to talk to someone who who knows what's going on. So then, where is Brad this week? Since he's ditching you and I, he went to a meeting for Mayhem's ten thousand cast. Got it. All right. Well, hopefully the meeting goes well, Brad. You know, just so you know, Brad, this is just it's me and Carrie. So when Christmas time rolls around, you know who to give gifts to. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we both want Bahio sunglasses from Jeff's website. All right. Yep. I, I could use a pair. And there's tons of different frames and color options, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so if you need gear for this upcoming season, if you started a season with Scott, uh, Southern Wisconsin just kicked off. So if so, the season's going there. Northern Wisconsin will be shortly behind there and then shortly after that minnesota gets rolling so if you need gear for your next musky fishing adventure check out teamrhinooutdoors.com and you can also check out muskymayhemtackle.com carrie got anything else to talk about with musky mayhem tackle nothing like throw me under the bus jeff (laughs) well you knew Uh, it was coming right i wasn't sure because sometimes you just rattle right through it and sometimes you brad does it and then then you got me deer in the headlights well, um, I guess Brad needs to send me a Christmas gift because I yeah. guess I'm the one that always makes it go. Right. Yeah, basically. You are. <laughs> no, uh, Musky Mayhem Tackle, we are the original big bladed flashable bucktails. Um, you can find everything, almost everything that we make on the website. If you don't see what you're looking for, fe- feel free to shoot me an email. It's muskymayhemtackle.com. Sounds good. Let's go dial up our conversation with Jim Walters from the Minnesota DNR. All right, our guest today is Jim Walters, who works with the Minnesota DNR. 
Jim, I know we're in the spring right now, and I'm sure it's a very busy time of year for you. So I just want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to you know, talk about the Minnesota muskie fishery. Sure. Thanks, Jeff. I uh, appreciate it. So, Jim, speaking of you and the, you know, the Minnesota DNR, we've never had you on the podcast before, your first-time guest. So do you want to dive into, I'd say, background, kind of what your position is with the DNR, maybe going to your daily works a little bit, just so our listeners have a better idea of you know, who they're listening to today? Sure, yeah. So I'm the area fishery supervisor out of our um, Fergus Falls office. We're located in west-central Minnesota, about a, oh, about an hour kind of south east of Fargo-Moorhead. I've been with the DNR 33 years, started in 1989, spent a little bit of time up in the uh, Detroit Lakes area office, four years, but the majority of my time I've been here at the Fergus Falls office um, in various positions. Yeah, this is springtime. This is, uh, this is go time for us. We're kind of behind this year probably about a week and a half, two weeks behind. We still have ice on some of the lakes in the northern part of uh, my management area here, but uh, we're hoping that the ice is going to be off by the time the walleye pike opener uh, opener begins. So right now we're taking walleye eggs for our hatchery, working on statewide quotas. Uh, the runs are coming in real good. Again, we're late and those fish are ready to spawn. So Everything is really uh, going well for us as far as the walleye egg take. The muskie egg take down in our metro area, that has started, um, and, and that is going pretty good as well. So let's talk about muskies, and we'll start out with the stocking stuff. First, Jim, what does Minnesota stock annually for muskies? We've kind of, for production purposes, we've divided um, our quotas to try to balance each year. And so... Our annual quotas for musky fingerlings are around that 26 to maybe up to 30,000 uh, musky fingerlings stocked annually in uh, lakes statewide. Again, it's, it's kind of balanced so that we don't have real you know, high number of years and real low number of years to try to help our, um, our hatchery system in the, in the production of, uh, of the fish. So we're trying to be as consistent as we can. I mean, I don't think it's any secret that Minnesota typically manage their muskie program for, we'll say, low-density, high-quality fisheries. Is that what you would consider it? Yeah, that's kind of, you know, when, I, when I'm when i talking muskies, talking to any anglers or groups, you know, that that is our, our goal is low-density, high-quality, you know. Not to say that we don't have lakes in the state that can provide some higher catch rates, you know, of smaller fish, but but by and large, that's what we're we're trying to uh, achieve. I don't want to say off topic, but maybe a little bit. What would you say, like the overall health of the Minnesota muskie fisheries are right now? So currently, you know, we had some we had some real good muskie fishing opportunities and some real good quality populations. I would say from about 2006 to maybe around 2012, 13. There was a period there where I think a lot of anglers would hit our statewide lakes and actually be disappointed if fish in the upper 40s or or even a 50-inch fish. And so that's kind of that push or that development of those bigger fish has kind of gone by the wayside now. And so a lot of our lakes, we're seeing uh, less numbers of those larger fish, you know, over 50 inches. 
And so we are um, actually looking at, um, you know, trying some different things, trying to raise our fingerlings to a larger size. Um, we're working with uh, stocking yearlings too, to a small degree to try to uh, look at the success of that, stocking larger fish. So we're trying to some of the populations uh, in, in some of our lakes that may be down a little bit. In some instances, with the success that Minnesota had had, especially, you know, the success story behind Malax and Vermilion, do you think some of that was based on, I'd say, like, right time, right place, meaning that first group of fish was out there and they had unlimited forage, essentially, so it was kind of like the perfect storm for them to, you know, grow plentiful and big? Yeah, yep, we can see, we can look back at stocking stocking uh, densities um, from the 90s, and, and you can pretty much track in certain lakes, especially the large lakes, that population that had developed was basically, you know, related to some of those uh, years where we, um, we had some more fish going in, into those lakes. And yeah, I heard you mention, you know, density. How do you guys determine the stocking density, I guess I would say, for these Minnesota lakes? So we don't have uh, like a one-size-fits-all stocking rates for, um, for, for muskies. We have a few rates um, that we use in, well, you know, a lot of our lakes. Um, we'll either stock one fingerling per surface acre or literal acre. And a, a literal acre is actually that part of the lake that's 15 feet or less. And, and we use that literal acre um, number or figure in our walleye stocking too. But so we might go one fish per literal acre biannually every other year or a half a fish annually. We have a lot of lakes that are in that stocking sequence. Um, we have some other lakes that go by surface acres. We have other lakes that are stocked maybe every three years. So we have some different stocking rates, densities, numbers, and um, we are doing some evaluations to try to. Um, you know, maybe tweak those a little bit, try to find out if we can do better on some of the lakes or maybe even back off on some lakes. You know, are we, are we putting too many fish in there? Thus, we're not getting survival. So a lot of different things we're doing with muskies in Minnesota here. I had heard a few weeks ago that Minnetonka and Vermilion, the stocking program is going to change on those two bodies of water. Is that true? So Vermilion has changed. The area fisheries office up there had some public input on not only the Muskie plan, but it's, it's actually the Vermilion Lake Management Plan. And so they took input on all fish species that they manage up there, walleyes um, and, and muskies included. So the stocking has changed up there. The plan calls for additional muskie stocking. If there's surplus fish that are available, and the surplus would mean that, you know, for instance, if we had 28,000 fingerlings kind of scheduled to be stocked and we had a good year for production, then the potential for additional fish to be stocked in Vermilion, you know, that'd be a possibility. And we have those built in on uh, a number of lakes statewide, too, as far as using, using surplus. So, we don't run into a situation where all of a sudden we have surplus and we're looking for homes. We actually have it in our lake management plans that, yes, this lake 
could probably use additional fish or it wouldn't hurt to add additional fish. And so that's, that's kind of a quick way for us during the busy season to identify lakes that the surplus fish can go. Interesting. So um, do all the musky lakes in Minnesota then, all the designated musky lakes, are they all on the management plants? We have a number of lakes that there's naturally reproducing muskies that we don't stock. And so the musky populations in those lakes are totally rely on natural reproduction. And, you know, anglers are, are fishing those natural populations. It's good to know that there is some, some lakes that do have strong enough natural reproduction where you don't have to supplement them. Right. Yep. Has the Minnesota DNR done any studies on muskies? We have. When we're monitoring muskie populations, our primary sampling technique is to do some spring trap net assessments. The goal for a lot of the, the statewide lakes are, are to try to figure out how many muskies are, are in a particular lake. And so we do population estimates. And the, the spring trap netting is a big part of that. We also do some spring electrofishing. Um, that's a technique where we use a boat that's designed to put electricity in the water to stun fish. We use it for uh, walleyes and bass also, but we use that in the spring as another way to, to collect muskies when they're um, coming into certain areas in the lake where they spawn. We try to develop population estimates. Uh, we try to do population estimates um, kind of on a standard frequency. It might be every three years, it might be over five years. And so through time, we can try to get an idea of what those musky populations are out there and, and how much they're fluctuating. So that's one way that we, you know, monitor and are able to actually kind of see how successful we are with our stocking. You know, Jim, one question I have, we'll kind of dial back a little bit on stocking, and I'm not sure how much information you may have on it, but is because Malax is one thing that we hear about all the time. You know, it was like essentially the crown jewel of Minnesota, probably one of, I mean, because Minnesota was, was, and still is a very viable musky fishery, but Malax is, it's notoriously known as a very tough bite. Is that something that is on the plans to, I'd say, revitalize it by any chance, or is that not? You know, I can tell you that, you know, yeah, the, the numbers of fish, the quality of fish have gone down. And, you know, Mille Lacs is just one of a few lakes that we've definitely seen a shift. Vermilion was another one. Um, even up here in my area, Pelican Lake, we hear about the numbers being down. Even Big Detroit, you know, we hear about a tough bite. And, you know, our thought was, or our thinking is that during those years that there was really good quality and good numbers of fish in there that we may have seen whatever led to what we're calling maybe some adult suppression where you have large fish to where you don't get a lot of smaller fish that are coming up into the system because those larger fish quote suppress the, the upcoming year classes. I mean, we, we see that in um, largemouth bass uh, when we had some regulations to protect larger bass. Um, you just didn't see the, the production of smaller fish come up behind those fish. So it's a, it's a term that you may hear, um, adult suppression. 
it can reference, you know, a number of different fish species. But so the the thought is is that that might have been what was what has occurred on on Malax that you know once those fish have aged out of the system, um, there isn't a lot of other smaller fish coming behind them. Sure, and I understand as the DNR in any state you're kind of stuck in this like a rock hard place type of a deal where you really can't make everybody happy. I mean, it's impossible. Even you're just your musky anglers can't necessarily agree on what type of fishery they want. Some people want to have action lakes and some people <laughs> want to have trophy lakes, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. We can't satisfy everybody. You mentioned musky anglers and walleye anglers. I think a lot of anglers are multi-species anglers. You know, I know a lot of musky anglers are multi-species, you know, in Minnesota, we basically have about five and a half months of musky fishing from first Saturday in June, you know, maybe through the end of October, through the end of October, maybe through the middle of November, depending on the year. So, you know, what are, what are anglers going to do during the, the non-musky season? Well, of course, they're going to fish other species. They're going to winter fish. So musky anglers understand our management of other species as well. We do the best we can. We manage basins based on, number one, what the basin is telling us that is successful. You know, whether it's walleyes, whether it's bass, whether it's um, muskies, or even panfish. We kind of let the information we get, the data we get, kind of drive what we manage for. Of course, there's the public input process, too. Um, We hear from lake associations, other organized groups about you know, what they would like to see us, us manage for too. And so you're right, can't satisfy everybody, but hopefully we're able to provide a fishery that that basin or that lake is, is able to provide for, for different types of anglers. Yeah. Like I said, it's kind of a thankless job. I mean, in any decision that you guys make, inevitably you're going to upset what 50%, I mean, at best, you know, in the case of if you guys push too many muskies, you're going to upset a lot of walleye anglers too, because yes, there's a lot of multi-species, but there's also a lot of people that have zero interest in chasing muskies. You know, our group of anglers that chase muskies, they're obviously very vocal and very passionate. And so they, uh, they tend to try to feel like there should be tons and tons of their fish in, in put in lakes, which I agree with as a muskie angler, but obviously that's not what makes sense. I mean, it, let's be real part of the DNR. It's, uh, it's essentially running a business kind of in a sense like you, you need to generate dollars, right? And there's more dollars probably coming from multi-species anglers than there are for just musky specific anglers. Yeah. I mean, uh, the walleye is Minnesota state fish and I can tell you right now, that's our number one fish. Our dollars go towards uh, walleye production or, um, we stock walleyes more than, than anything. And so we are, are focused on that fish and, you know, muskies, the, the, the muskie program, um, definitely a lot less money that, that we spend on that. Um, but we're learning to try to get the best bang for our buck with our production. The other thing about trying to balance too, is again, what the, what the data is showing. I mean, you can overstock a lake, whether it's walleyes, whether it's muskies, whether it's bluegills that, that you stock in a lake. And so to try to find that balance, we hear a lot of stuff. We hear a lot of suggestions, but we use the best biological data that we have to try to make those, those management decisions. 
I got a quick question. This might, you know, you might not have an answer, but I'm just curious, how many people just send you an email saying you guys are doing a fantastic job? Keep it up. Actually, I hear that quite a bit when I go to Lake Association meetings. It's something that that I do hear. I'd I'd say I hear it more now than when I started (laughs) uh, 33 years ago. And I think it might be the fact that catch and release is really big now, you know. So it isn't about harvest. And, you know, obviously I'm talking about other species, not muskies, but it isn't about harvest now. It's about the opportunity to, to catch fish and enjoy an outing, take the grandkids, take the kids. And so those are the kind of thank yous or the appreciation that we get. Well, that's great to hear. I'm sincerely happy that that is that way because I have friends that work for them, you know, Wisconsin DNR, and we, you know, have messages once in a while back and forth. And, you know, you guys do, a, in, in my opinion, you guys are doing a great job, you know, just trying to manage fisheries. It's not an easy job. And I also don't believe that there's anyone particular, you know, from either either state or any of the states that really wants to have to negatively impact their fisheries. I think that everybody's trying to work for a good common goal to, you know, manage all the species and try to keep everybody as happy as they can. Obviously, it's a very difficult job. And so I'm glad that people do reach out to you because I, th- I think it's, you know, worth noting that you guys do a great, a great job and you guys are trying to do the best that you can. Well, thank you for those comments. Appreciate it. So, Jim, speaking of trying to manage all sides of this whole, you know, fishery type of thing, you, I think the Minnesota DNR recently did a study, try to, because the, the typical, you know, non-musky anglers, like the muskies are eating all of our insert bait fish, right? Walleyes, crappies, bass, it, it doesn't matter, whatever one it wants to be. And I think you guys have done some studies recently to, you know, possibly contradict that. We did, and and we are actually still in the process of, of doing it, but we have about three years of, of information from a, um, well, it's a, the overview is a, it's a fish predator diet study, including muskies, northern pike, walleyes, and largemouth bass. So those are the four, you know, top predators that we have in, in our lakes around here, I mean, statewide. The study is a cooperative effort between Bemidji State University, uh, University of St. Thomas, and then MNGNR Fisheries Research. Bemidji State was actually looking at physical stomach contents in those predators. St. Thomas was looking at using radioisotope type of techniques to determine um, diets of not only predators, but also prey items. DNR research was, was kind of helping out uh, oversight on those and, and um, field work and things like that. So, so we actually had one of our lakes in uh, my management area here in Ottertail County as, as part of that study. So that study was actually designed based on some of the criticism we were getting, I'd say, about six years ago. Um, exactly what you said, Jeff, just people were saying, you know, muskies are eating all the walleyes or muskies are eating, you know, all the panfish. And so the study was designed to look at, in Minnesota, what muskies were eating, but also take it a little step further and look at pike and walleye and, and bass. And so three years of, uh, of, you know, kind of preliminary data is out there. And 
it basically, again, addresses the, the questions that people had. And so, you know, on a, on a broad scale, you know, muskies generally in our lakes here in, in, in Minnesota, yellow perch were um, a primary prey item with, uh, with suckers coming in second. Northern pike in certain lakes were also a good prey item or a targeted prey item for muskies. In some lakes, some sunfish were, were eaten too. But um, what the study basically showed is that walleyes were not a primary forage item for, for muskies. They made up very little, less than 1% of all the, the diet contents that were collected. Uh, walleyes made up less than 1%. So, you know, very little predation there. And so this is new information done in Minnesota that kind of shows what muskies have been eating. In fact, the muskies showed the most variety of food items of any of those four species. So, I mean, they ate things from uh, small invertebrates all the way up to, you know, low 20-inch pike to even waterfall like coots. So they are very um, opportunistic in what they're, they're eating. So that kind of gets back to, you know, they don't really target one particular type of, of food item. They're, they're very opportunistic. Yeah, that's definitely, you know, great information to hear. I'm kind of incredible, actually, to hear that, to hear that they're pretty much just going to eat, I guess, whatever that's whatever comes their way. And obviously they have a sp- few specifics, but I would assume, it, do, you, do you reckon that it's the uh, abundance of yellow perch in your lake? Is that what makes them want to target those? Or do you suppose they're just easy prey? I think in a lot of our lakes, we do have a lot of perch. We're finding out statewide here that our, our perch are actually getting smaller. Their adult perch are maturing at an earlier age. And so we have more numbers of smaller perch than we do, let's say, of, of larger perch. So, and, and perch are the primary forage, too, for our walleye population. So, you know, again, they'll they'll target whatever is the most abundant out there and, and have a wide variety of, of things that they can eat. Was there any studies done between like two different lakes for muskies diet between like a Cisco based lake and a non Cisco based lake, or is it just, you guys just kind of randomly picked a few lakes? So we did. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't know, um, you know, how, how detailed you, you wanted to talk here, but so we did, look at lakes that had Cisco and lakes that didn't have Cisco. You know, DNR Fisheries has said all along that, you know, muskies in lakes that have Cisco and white sucker, those are the fish that they're really targeting because number one, they're they're a soft raid fish. You don't have the pokey dorsal spine that sometimes can be hard for predator fish to, to manage. And they're high protein. Um, so those are the fish, the prey fish that you know, large northern pike, large walleye and muskies kind of key in on in order to, to get to the size that they do. Um, so we did look at, um, got a sample of lakes with Cisco and, and lakes without Cisco. And so the lakes with Cisco, um, yellow perch were a primary forage item for muskies followed by white suckers. And then for the lakes without Cisco, Northern pike were a primary forage for muskies, followed by some sunfish species. So there is a little bit of, um, you know, 
two different types of lakes that we looked at with this study. So it boils down to musky anglers should definitely be throwing more perch-colored lures. <laughs> well, you know, if you look at what's out there, the musky anglers, I mean, there's a, there's everything from, um, you know, burbot-painted lures to um, uh, lures that look like a little beaver. So there's, there's just a variety of, of stuff out there. Again, that leads to the, the idea that, that muskies are very opportunistic feeders. They're opportunistic until you put a bait in front of them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you have to find that right one, right? <laughs> right. So, Jim, I got a question for you. It's nothing that we kind of previously talked about, but it's something that in the conversation I thought about. So let's say I'm a new angler to Minnesota and I'm looking to determine, you know, what maybe which options I have for my area for that would hold muskies. Is there some resources through like, you know, minnesotadnr.com or whatever? I'm just making that website up. I don't know if that actually exists or if it's .gov. But anyways, are there any resources that would allow anglers to kind of like do some research on some of these lakes? Yes. Our Minnesota DNR webpage, um, up in the search box, if you type in uh, muskie or muskellunge, um, you'll come to a webpage that's just dedicated towards muskie. And so you can find information on that page. If you Google musky lakes, uh, musky uh, lakes list, you should be able to come up with a list of the lakes that we manage muskies uh, for. You can also go on our lake finder, uh, DNR lake finder site. If you know a lake that has muskies that you're thinking of potentially fishing, you can pull that most recent survey up on Lake Finder. And in the case of muskies, uh, with our special spring sampling, if one has been done on that lake, it'll show up in that report and it'll give you an idea of number one, the, the number of fish we caught. And then we'll also have, uh, number two, the sizes of fish. So that might be a good starting point to tie, try to determine if that's a lake that, uh, you know, you may want to try. The other thing is to just call the area fisheries office. I do get a lot of calls in my office from out-of-state people, and, and this is for all species, asking, you know, hey, can you help me with the learning curve here and just give me some lakes that I can start with, you know, coming up to the county, new to the state fishing. So the local DNR office is going to be able to, to help you, too, with uh, with some of that uh, information and, and uh, maybe some some uh, current data too. I got a question. Uh, it's your personal opinion, but what's your thoughts on delayed mortality? It's actually something that I have suggested to research to maybe try to look at. And it's something that I think from a design standpoint would be really hard to try to evaluate. Usually delayed mortality studies involve holding fish um, they've, they've done a lot of work with delayed mortality on, on Malax for walleye and, um, you know, basically catching fish with different techniques, putting them in holding pens and then monitoring over a given period of time. And so, you know, walleyes generally, you know, those fish are probably in that study were 14, maybe into the low twenties with a, uh, delayed mortality study. 
for muskies that are much larger, you would need a real large pan. You know, I think the, the actual study itself might produce more delayed mortality than, than the actual uh, technique that was used. You know, generally speaking, lures that are hooked deep, you know, there's the better potential for mortality, whether it's immediate or whether it's delayed. So I think as an angler, looking at maybe reducing three treble lures down to two treble hooks, or maybe going with a single hook lure like a spinnerbait, maybe with a trailer, you know, you're going to get faster release rates with lures like that. Um, and that's going to help those fish survive and, and minimize the chance for any kind of delayed mortality. How about like in the hot water? When the water temps get super high, what's your thoughts on that? I think it's a, a good um, kind of a guideline to go by for, for muskies by not fishing in the upper 70s and, and definitely when water temperature, surface water temps hit 80 to not pursue muskies. Depending on the, the technique you're using, if you're trolling, that may add additional stress with that warm water and, you know, that might increase delayed mortality of, of those muskies. So from that side of it, I think trying to limit to maybe, you know, nighttime or early morning during the summer months when we really do see those surface water temperatures approaching 80 or even over 80. I, I think that's a good idea. Right. Again, we're talking about low density fish populations with muskies. And so anything we can do as anglers to try to minimize mortality is going to help that muskie population and help it survive so that somebody else can enjoy that experience of, of catching that fish. I would say fortunately as, you know, musky anglers, I think we still live in what, what I would call like the glory years of musky angling because there's been, you know, so much emphasis on catch and release and so much emphasis on quick releases and, you know, keeping these fish in nets longer and, and that kind of stuff. And even just, you know, simple things like cutting hooks and just to get them unhooked and, and back in the water faster, quicker pictures, that kind of stuff. I think, you know, as, as a musky community, I still think there, there's obviously room for improvement, but at least we're, we've come a long way from, you know, I'd say even, you know, 15 years ago, probably. Yeah, I would agree. You do see more, more anglers taking those water shots of their release rather than holding the fish equipment, you know, nets have been designed, rubberized, trying to reduce, uh, you know, slime sloughing off with, uh, with the mesh. So there's definitely improvements that have been made to help the survival of, uh, of muskies out there. Yeah. So Jim, before we go, I got one more question for you and hopefully you got the answer. Do you guys happen to know approximately how long it takes for a stocked muskie or any muskie to go to reach the 40 inch mark in Minnesota? Yeah, so there's definitely differences in growth between males and females. So males actually, uh, so for, for a 40-inch fish, you know, I'd, I'd say about seven years is, um, is kind of a, a, a good age that, you know, when you catch a 40-inch fish, you could probably use seven years. Now, this is in, in my area here in west-central Minnesota. It might be a little slower as you head up north, but that would be a good good guideline as far as Sexual maturity, 
age five for males and probably around that, you know, age seven and, and older for females. So that's kind of a kind of a general guideline. Where are most of the fish raised in Minnesota? So in Minnesota, we have a few hatcheries that receive musky eggs and will hatch those eggs into fry. From the fry stage, they are fed little sucker fry as forage and also some dry diet, basically pelleted food. And they are raised to probably about an inch and a half or so. And those are called transplants. And then those will go actually out to a couple other hatcheries that we have and be raised in some outside uh, rearing ponds. And so as those muskies are growing throughout the summer, they are eating uh, fathead minnows and uh, the little fry that the fathead minnows will produce in these ponds that we have set up for them. So we basically have two facilities in the state that uh, grow the musky fingerlings from the transplant to the fingerling stage. We also have some drainable ponds at some other areas in the state where the ponds are drained and we're able to to get fingerlings from those areas too. So Jim, if somebody wanted to donate money to help with stocking, is is there a place in or someone to go to at the DNR there to donate to? That's a good question. (laughs) We don't get a lot of people that just off the street would want to donate towards muskie stocking. It's usually the people that are affiliated with a Muskie's Inc. chapter. And they usually go, the chapter goes through and and donate to DNR. So that's kind of the scenario that I'm familiar with for any kind of uh, donations. It would be through a, a Muskie's Inc. chapter. Okay. All right, Jim, we don't want to keep you too late. I know it's you got plenty to do. Springtime with the DNR is always a busy time. So we just want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to talk about the Minnesota muskie fishery and the state of the Minnesota muskie fishery. We really appreciate that. Thank you, Jeff and Carrie. I uh, enjoyed it. Thank you. Hopefully, Jim, we can do it again one day. We I got a few other notes here that we don't have time for, but I'd like to pick your brain on. Sure. Yep, anytime. And then for our listeners, we want to thank you for taking your time out of your schedule to put up with us for another week. Even though Brad's not here, he'll be uh, back soon. It was an important date today, I guess, and he he misses out on talking to Jim. I'm sure he, Jim, he would have kept you even busier yet, but we got it done for the day. So I want to thank everybody for putting up with us, and we'll catch everybody with a new episode again next Wednesday. Mm-hmm.